Please open your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 8. I'll be preaching this morning through verses 12 through 30. So John, chapter 8, verses 12 through 30. And as you turn there, let's ask God's blessing on the reading and preaching of His Word. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word, that it is a light unto our feet. It is a guide for us. And we pray, Lord, that You would speak to us now through Your Word and through the preaching of Your Word, that Your Spirit would add the blessing to the reading and preaching of Your Word, that it might do its work in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hear the Word of the Lord from John chapter 8, verses 12-30. through 30. Again Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows Me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to Him, You are bearing witness about Yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about Myself, My testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says where I am going, you cannot come. He said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. So they said to Him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, Just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say to you about, uh, I have much to say about you and much to judge, but He who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from Him. They did not understand that He had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. As He was saying these things, many believed in Him. May God bless the reading of His holy word, and let His church say, Amen. I'm going to tell you exactly what you should not do if you go hiking in Virginia. Don't be like me. One break from college, when I packed my siblings in the car, my three younger siblings in the car, on a visit to my parents in Virginia, drove up to Skyline Drive, pulled up to a random parking lot at Skyline Drive with a random trailhead, 
got out and began to walk. I didn't have a map. I didn't have a compass. I didn't have food or drink. I didn't know the trail. I just assumed that the trail would be short. I just assumed that the trail would be easy. And I just assumed that the trail would circle back around to the trailhead. Guess what? I was wrong. And the map, the compass, the food, and the water, and oh, by the way, the knowledge of the trail would have proved helpful had I known that information. Descending down into the valley, that trail was not too much of a problem. It was the hike back up the other side that tired us out. And as the trail went on, seemingly endlessly, my three loyal, faithful siblings began to turn on me as their tummies grumbled and they began to desire even a drop of water. Moods changed. And Big Brother here received all the blame. I can report to you today that after a number of years after that incident, that everyone has survived. No one died that day. But I did learn an important life lesson. We shouldn't presume to know where we're going. Hey, you know this to be true, don't you? We all carry around the smartphones and, and you know your way around town, but sometimes you just want to make sure that you know where you're going. And so you pull out your phone and you ask Siri to get you directions to where you're headed. You want to make sure that you know where you are and that you're going on the right path. Just as much as this is true for us in our personal lives, we might say in our physical, material lives, the same is true for us, Jesus teaches in this passage, in our spiritual lives. The Bible has a lot to say about the paths that we walk and the road that we choose to go down. Proverbs 14.12 There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. So instead of charting your own course, we should be careful not to chart our own course because we might choose a road that leads to death. Our culture says, follow your heart. Let your heart be your guide. That's the, the main theme of every Disney movie, isn't it? Let your heart be your guide. What's the Bible say? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it. The Bible says, don't follow your heart. Your heart is sick, and it will deceive you, and you may choose a path that leads to destruction. Instead of choosing our own morals, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, he gives us this warning to enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the path is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. So if you follow culture, if you follow the trail that seems the easiest to travel in life, it's the gate that leads to destruction. It's the path that leads to destruction. Jesus says the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. 
Here in John chapter 8, 12 through 20, I want you to see Jesus' invitation here. He gives an invitation for everyone to follow him. Do you see that there in verse 12? Jesus is the light of the world. Don't presume to know how to live your life. Don't try to make your own path and don't do it like Frank Sinatra says, your way. Follow Jesus. Jesus is the light of the world. Don't follow your heart. Follow Him. Well, not only does Jesus give this invitation in this, pa- in this passage, but we need to unpack this a little bit and first ask the question, why? Why? Why do we need to follow Jesus, the light of the world? And here this passage exposes for us our spiritual condition. And here it is. Jesus mentions it here in verse 12. And if you're taking notes, here's the first point. This is the problem that we all have apart from Christ. That without Jesus, we are walking in spiritual darkness. Let me say that again. Without Jesus, we are walking in spiritual darkness. We need the light of Jesus because we're walking in darkness and death. Do you see that here in verse 12? Jesus gives the invitation. I am the light of the world, Jesus says. Remember, Jesus is here at the Feast of Tabernacles. He's gathered in uh, Jerusalem. He's at the temple. And every day for seven days, there were festivities that were taking place. The priests would go and gather water from the pool of Siloam and they would pour the water out at the base of the altar, and they would also have a ceremony where they would light the torches. And the bright, shining light would fill up the night sky in and around the temple. And it was a way for the Israelites to remember how God provided for them in the wilderness. How God gave them water from the rock. And how God provided a light to guide them in the night sky in the wilderness. And so for a week, the Israelites would live in tents, They would camp out to remember God's faithfulness to them. And it's upon this religious festivity that Jesus stands up in the middle of all of this amidst the the lights that are shining brightly in the, the temple sky in Jerusalem, and Jesus declares what about Himself? I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You see, any path without Jesus is dark. Any path without Jesus is a road that leads to death. And just as hopeless as the Israelites would be without God guiding and leading them by the pillar of fire, so too are we without Jesus guiding and leading and directing our lives. A couple of years ago, our family went on a cave tour. You ever been on a cave tour? Well, on this cave tour, as we descended deep down into the cavern, we got to the place and our guide told us, okay, I want everyone to stop. I don't want anyone to move around because I'm going to show you how dark a cave is. We grabbed our children picked up Noah, and the guide turned the lights off. It was a darkness like I had never experienced before. It was tangible. It was a darkness that you could 
You could almost feel, right? You could not see your hand right in front of your face. You couldn't see anything. And I thought to myself, how frightening it would be to try and navigate that cavern in total darkness like that. I thought to myself for a moment there, what if the electricity goes out while we're all down here? How on earth are we going to get out? Needless to say, what about those who discovered the cave and began to explore the cave? How scary and frightening, how impossible it would be to explore that cave or find your way out of the cave in total darkness. If we are not following the light of the world, that's what we're like. We are in a, a dark cave of our own sin and death, and we are unable to see our hand in front of our face, and we are unable to find our own way. Jesus is the light of the world, and He gives the invitation for everyone to follow Him. Well, not only do we need this light because we walk in darkness and death, but we also need this light because, and I want you to see this here from the negative example of the Pharisees, we don't even know that we're walking in darkness, do we? Not only are we walking in darkness apart from Christ, but if we're apart from Christ, we don't even know that we're walking in darkness. Do you see how the Pharisees react to Jesus in this passage of Scripture? The Pharisees immediately object to Jesus' invitation. Look at that in verse 13. They don't do any further investigation. They don't ask any further questions. They just look at Jesus and say, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Here they've been given the greatest invitation that mankind can ever receive, and they completely squander it. They immediately begin to doubt and object to Jesus' statement, and they, they brush him off. They think that he's not true, not a, a faithful witness. And so, an exchange begins to take place. What is it like for those who walk in darkness? Well, they're a lot like the Pharisees here. Number one, those who walk in darkness object to the teaching and testimony of Jesus. We saw that here in verse 13, didn't we? They just immediately object to Jesus, they object to His testimony, they object to His teaching, and they refuse to follow Him. And those who are walking in darkness do the same thing, don't they? They might pick and choose the portions of Jesus' teaching that they like, but they're walking in darkness, aren't they? They're objecting. If you object to any portion of Jesus' teaching, you might as well reject all of Jesus' teaching. So the Pharisees here are objecting to Jesus, turning away from Him. They don't even know that they're walking in darkness. But secondly, I want you to see, not only is there an objection to the teaching and testimony of Jesus, but there's also an objection to the deity of Jesus. The deity of Jesus. Look at verse 14. Jesus answers, Even if I do bear witness about Myself, My testimony is true. Oh, well, why is that, Jesus? For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you don't know where I came from or where I am going. Jesus is saying that He is the divine God-man. Jesus is saying that the Father has sent Him to be the light 
of the world. And Jesus is saying that because you refuse to follow me as the light of the world, you don't really know who I am. A lot of people today who think that they know who Jesus is, they might believe Jesus is a historical figure, a, a good example, a good moral teacher, a, a good example of someone who remains loyal even at the cost of their own life. But there's a lot of people who affirm all those things, but then in the same breath object to Jesus being the God-man, the Christ, the light of the world, the Savior of the world. And when they do that, they don't really know or understand Jesus, do they? They object to His deity. Next, I want you to see, they judge Jesus according to the flesh. Those who are walking in darkness judge Jesus according to the flesh. They have carnal eyes. They lack the eyes of faith. Look at verse 15. Jesus tells them outright why they do this, why they're rejecting Jesus. You judge according to the flesh. You have no faith to receive the teaching. You have no faith to judge the miracles. You have no faith to look unto Me and receive salvation. You are judging Me carnally. You are judging, someone, you are judging Me according to the flesh. And Jesus, by contrast, what does He say? I judge no one. What's Jesus mean here by this statement? Is Jesus saying that He's not the judge of the world? No. Jesus is contrasting Himself with the Pharisees. What He's saying is, you judge with carnal eyes and I don't judge anyone with carnal eyes. I look to their souls and diagnose the condition of their hearts. That's what Jesus does. But those who are apart from Jesus, they judge Him according to the flesh. Look at verse 16. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. You know what happens when we reject Jesus and object to Him and walk in darkness? We object His teaching. We object to His deity. We judge Him according to the flesh. And then we object to the reason that He came. We object to His mission. The reason the Father sent Him. The very reason for Him to come and to be the light of the world. And what Jesus is saying here, I wonder if you notice how many times Jesus says, the Father bears witness about Me. Look at verse 18. I am the one who bears witness about Myself, and the Father who sent Me bears witness about Me. What Jesus is saying is that the Father has sent Me to do this. And because of that, the Pharisees have no understanding of the mission of Jesus. And so they walk in darkness. Thought about the beginning, the prologue of the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God and the Word was with God. This is all creational language, right? What does John say about that Word? That that Word was the light of life. He was the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Just like God the Father on the day of creation said, let there be light, and there was light, so too Jesus has come into a, a sin-filled dark world, and there's light. 
Why don't people turn to the light? Because they walk in darkness. We talked about this already in John chapter 3 and Jesus' interaction with Nicodemus and Jesus told Nicodemus why people reject Him. Why do people reject Jesus? They love the darkness, don't they? They love walking in darkness. They love their own sin. And they don't come into the light because if they come into the light, what happens to their sin? Their sin's exposed. And so Jesus says in John 3, you hate the light. And you don't come into the light because your sins would be exposed. You see, we all have a problem apart from Christ. Without Jesus, we are walking in spiritual darkness. But Jesus is the light of the world. What's the solution here if that's our spiritual condition? I want you to look here at the end of this passage in verses 25-30. through 30. We can only see the light of Jesus shining from the cross. You see, Jesus is the light of the world. And the light of the world shines the brightest from the cross. Look at what Jesus tells these Pharisees beginning in verse 25. They ask Him outright, who are you? Jesus says, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge. He who sent me is true. And I declare to the world what I have heard from Him. That's wonderful. There's teaching and signs and miracles and wonders and Jesus' presence. And that's all great and good. But notice what Jesus says next. Jesus said to them, verse 28, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. It's only until Jesus is upon the cross that it all makes sense. It's only when Jesus is upon the cross that the will and the mission of the Father through Jesus begins to become clear. It's only when Jesus is upon the cross that His signs, wonders, and miracles begin to be clarified. For the, for the world to understand. Jesus says in verse 28, I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. What Jesus is saying is, me going to the cross and me telling you about the cross is the will of my Father. This is the reason that I've come, Jesus is saying. And in that moment, it will look like Jesus has been abandoned by the Father. In that moment, it will look like that Jesus is all alone. It will look like that Jesus is being punished by God. He was being punished by God. But it was the Father's will. Look at verse 29. He who sent me is what? He's with me. He has not left me alone. For I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. What's Jesus saying here? He's saying that my going to the cross. It will look like when I'm upon the cross that I'm not the Christ. It will look like when I'm upon the cross that I'm not the Messiah. It will look like that everything I said was a complete and total lie. But there upon the cross, I'm fulfilling my Father's will. You see, the light of Jesus, the light of the world shines the brightest from the cross. 
Only when you look upon the cross does the teaching and ministry and signs of Jesus make sense. Let me give you some examples. Jesus says, I am the bread from heaven. And then Jesus gives a sign to demonstrate that He's the bread from heaven. He did what? He fed the multitude with five loaves of bread and two fishes. And that's wonderful and good. But when Jesus was upon the cross, the bread from heaven was broken for us. Jesus says that He's water for the thirsty. And Jesus gave a sign to prove that He gives water to the thirsty. He turned the water into what? Wine. But it's upon the cross that from His pierced side, blood and water flow. Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. And then He gave a sign, didn't He? He rose Lazarus from the dead. But He didn't stop there. He died upon the cross, and then He rose again from the grave. You see, the light of Jesus shines brightest from the cross. When we look upon the cross, the love of God, the forgiveness of sins, His grace, His mercy, His wrath, everything becomes clear. I had a professor in Bible college, Dr. Beatty. What do you always say, Gina Marie? What do you always say? Take it, take it to the cross. Dr. Beatty used to always say that. He would always say, take it to the cross. So we were sitting in preaching class and he's teaching us how to preach and he would say, take it to the cross. Oh, we teased him about that, by the way. He, was, he said it so much, it's still burned in my brain all these years later. Take it to the cross. When you preach a sermon, no matter the text that you're preaching from, take it to the cross. If you're teaching a lesson, no matter what lesson you're teaching, do what? Take it to the cross. Friend, if you're witnessing to someone, if you're sharing the good news of the Gospel of Jesus Christ with that person, you know what you have to do? You have to take it to the cross. If you are demonstrating the love of God for, to someone, if you are being the hands of Jesus and serving someone and loving someone, you know what you need to do with that love? You need to take it to the cross. If you're counseling someone, if you're sharing with someone, if you struggle with sin, no matter what it is, no matter the problem, no matter the counsel, no matter the instruction, we always do what? We take it to the cross. Why do we do that? We take it to the cross because Jesus is the light of the world. And there upon the cross, the light of Jesus shines brightly. Travis and I tease each other unrelentingly sometimes about our sermons, by the way. We're always dealing with this. Is do we take it to the cross? Do we get to Jesus? And so we'll say, look, I don't care what hurdles I have to jump over in this passage. I'm going to get it to Jesus. If I'm preaching through the Song of Solomon, we're going to get to Jesus some way, shape, or form. If I'm preaching through the book of Judges, we are going to deal with Jesus. If I'm in the book of Ecclesiastes, we're going to take it to the cross. So we make every effort to do that. And every sermon, every lesson, we do what? We take it. To the cross. Why do we do that? Because Jesus is the light of the world and that light 
shines the brightest from the cross. So what happens when we look upon the light of the Word? What happens when we look to the cross? We saw that here in verse 12. We walk in the light of life. Look again at verse 12 and see what Jesus says. I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows Me will what? What happens? Will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I'm just going to touch on a few of these themes here in this passage. Don't really have time to explain all of them or go in depth into all of them, but just two things that walking in the light of life does. Number one, walking in the light of life illuminates God the Father. Look at verses 19 through 20. They asked Jesus about his Father. Where's your Father? And Jesus tells them in verse 19, You know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. So, what happens when we walk in the light? of Jesus' life. We know the Father. Because Jesus reveals the Father. He opens up the Father to us. started having a problem a few months ago. The place where I like to sit in my living room and read books is a dark spot, and I began to have problems seeing some of the words on that dark page. So I did what anybody would do. I got out my iPhone and I went to Amazon and I found a book light. A rechargeable book light. And it attaches to my book. And I click that little button and guess what? Everything on the page becomes clear. Same is true as it pertains to the light that Jesus shines as He reveals the Father. You see, dark spots in our lives can cast shadows on God, but the cross illuminates them. When we endure suffering, we can see that God used Jesus' suffering to bring about our redemption. When we endure loneliness and abandonment, we can see that God used Jesus' loneliness and abandonment on the cross to accomplish our salvation. When we feel like we aren't going to endure temptation, we can see that Jesus was sinless, enduring His temptation so that God's perfect standard of holiness might be met. When we feel unloved, when we look to the cross, we see the ultimate expression of the Father's love as Jesus dies in our place. So the light of Jesus, it illuminates God the Father, and then also the light of Jesus illuminates our freedom from the bondage to sin. You see what Jesus told the Pharisees here? Look at verse 21. What does He tell them that's going to happen to them if they continue in their unbelief? Look at verse 21. You will die in your sin. I'm going away. You will seek Me and you will die in your sin. And they don't understand what Jesus is talking about. And then He explains even further. Here's the reason they don't understand. Look at verse 24. Or verse 23, you're from below, I'm from above. You're of this world, I'm not of this world. They don't understand the message and ministry of Jesus. And because of their lack of faith, notice what Jesus says again. Verse 24, I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. What do we need to believe in 
so that we won't die in our sins. Do we need to believe that Jesus is a real historical person? I think so. But a lot of people believe that and they still walk in darkness. What do we need to believe about Jesus? We need to believe that like the sacrificial lamb, Jesus took our punishment upon the cross. We need to believe that like a debt that is paid, Jesus fully satisfied the debt that we owe to God because of our sin. We need to believe that like a ransom that's paid, that we were held captive in sin and in darkness. And upon that old rugged cross, Jesus set us free from our sins. You see, Jesus is the light of the world. And my question for you this morning is, do you see the light? Are you following the light? And if not, let me encourage you. Look to the light and believe and you will be saved. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word this morning. We ask and pray that You would guide us into all truth for You are truth. We ask that You might be a light to us. That we would not walk in darkness, but walk in the light of life. We pray now that as we come to the Lord's table, that You would set apart these common and ordinary elements for a holy purpose, that we might be reminded of the light. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.